Hi, everybody. It's November 2020, and that means not only are we in the wake of the presidential election, but it is also Supreme Court season, and it's beginning to heat up. The Supreme Court heard a very big case this week, and it deals with the Affordable Care Act, and it could affect the health care of tens of millions of people. We know that so much has been all about the presidential election, and we have a number of episodes on that. But we do want to talk about this important legal news. This is a podcast about politics and the law. Welcome back to Passing Judgment. Hello, my co-host, Joe Armstrong. Hello, Jessica. Are you saying that there are other stories other than the election that are worthy of discussing? Is that what you're saying? I know. It's so hard, even for me. And I wrote a piece about this, a shameless plug, that's up on NBCNews.com slash think. And I had to kind of set aside the brain space just to think about something that wasn't, are we going to have a peaceful transfer of power? What's happening with the post-election litigation? And, you know, what it comes down to is this could affect tens of millions of people, whether or not they have access to affordable health care. And it was a big issue in the presidential election. It's going to be a big legal issue. And it's one of the, quote unquote, blockbuster cases before the Supreme Court this term. Indeed, it is. The election has been sucking up so much light and heat and gravity. It's like a black hole of everyone's attention. And I, for one, can't wait to move on and get to actual governance, which brings us to today's topic, talking about the ACA, colloquially known as Obamacare. Let's begin at the beginning. What exactly is the ACA? Yeah, the ACA is really President Obama's crowning legislative achievement, and it's federal health care. And it doesn't go nearly as far as President Obama wanted, but it goes further than I think, frankly, Republicans wanted at that moment. So it very briefly tries to provide Americans, all Americans, with affordable access to health care. And it does that in a couple of different ways. There's something called the individual mandate, which essentially says to people, you need to buy health insurance, and if you don't, you'll pay a penalty. We'll talk about that more in a moment. It also does things like it allows adult children to stay on their parents' medical care until they're 26. It makes the federal Medicaid program a lot more robust. And so the idea is that everyone should have access to some level of health care and that people should not go bankrupt because they get sick. And for President Obama, this was personal. He talked a lot about his mom's struggles and how it really hurt their family financially as well. And the ratification of the ACA all those years ago made Republicans' heads explode. So this is by far not the first challenge to this, but just the latest challenge to this. How many more prior challenges have there been to the ACA? Well, this is kind of the third big challenge. We should say that this was a bipartisan effort. So not all Republicans' heads exploded. In fact, you know, you had to get enough votes in the House, in the Senate, uh, before President Obama was able to sign this piece of legislation. But it was challenged almost immediately. And so the first big Supreme Court case dealing with the Affordable Care Act came in 2012, right before that election. And For our purposes, what's important there is that the court upheld the Affordable Care Act, and it upheld that individual mandate that I was talking about, that provision that says you have to buy health insurance, and if you don't, you're going to pay a penalty of about $700. And Chief Justice John Roberts famously joined with the liberals in upholding the Affordable Care Act, and what he said about the individual mandate is – 
Congress has the power to do this because it looks like a tax. Now, the problem is that years later, when Republicans were in control in Washington, D.C., they actually zeroed out that individual mandate. And so now the law says you have to buy health insurance. And if you don't, you'll face a penalty, but the penalty is zero. So it essentially eviscerates the individual mandate. The big question before the court was, okay, well, if there's no penalty, then the individual mandate doesn't really look like a tax. So then does Congress even have the power to implement it? So that's the main legal question facing the Supreme Court. So Jessica, what specifically is the issue this time? Well, so there's three. The first is, and listeners have heard me say some version of this a lot, the first is who is the right person to sue? So the first question that the court talked about was, are the states the right plaintiffs or are individuals right plaintiffs? In order to walk into federal court, you need a concrete injury and you have to prove that if you win, you'll at least help to remedy that injury. So I was listening to oral arguments because now, due to the pandemic, oral arguments are live. They're over the phone, and they're structured in a different way. The chief justice really has much more control, and instead of it just being a free-for-all, instead they go in order of seniority. And I just, as an aside, Joe, have to say, it still was somewhat startling for me when They went down the line in order of seniority, and they skipped, of course, Justice Ginsburg because she's passed away. And then it was new and different to hear Justice Barrett as well. So this is the new court. This is the court that's going to be deciding the case. And then – so standing was the first question. The second question, as I mentioned, was this issue of is the individual mandate still valid? If you only upheld it back in 2012 because it looked like a tax and now there's no penalty – doesn't really look like a tax anymore. And then the third issue is if the individual mandate is declared invalid, which I suspect that it will be, then what happens to the rest of the law? Does that mean the entire Affordable Care Act will be declared invalid? Or can you do something called sever it from the rest of the act? Right. We're talking about a concept called severability, which allows uh, lawmakers or allow justices to separate aspects of something from the thing itself. Have I got that correct for someone who is not a legal scholar? (laughs) Yes, that's right. And Joe, we talked about this really briefly, actually back in July when there was a case dealing with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And um, without making everybody feel like they're in a law school class too much, what I'll remind people is that the question in that case was, Um, The statute that created the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau created a single director that could only be removed by the president for cause, not at will. And the question is whether or not that was proper. The court said, no, it's not, but we can take that one part of the law out and the rest of the law can still stand. And that was the same question in terms of severability. And he explained to us that we should try and use a scalpel instead of a bulldozer. And that basically means that Congress should try and do as little harm as is possible. So when it comes to this issue of can we take part of a statute out and still leave the rest, the answer is that we look at Congress's intent? Did Congress say something specifically? Uh, In this case, Congress didn't say 
that the ACA is inseverable. Uh, and actually, they zeroed out the penalty and they left the rest of the statute in place. Uh, you also look to things like, can we do as little, again, as little disruption as is possible? And in listening to the oral arguments, Joe, I think that there's at least five votes to say, well, the individual mandate might be illegal, that the rest of the Affordable Care Act can stand. And where are those votes? I think the three liberal justices and then Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Now, you have to be careful about reading too much from oral arguments, but if you listen to what they were saying, it's pretty clear, I think, where they're going on severability, and that's, frankly, the correct legal answer. It's not just about policy. It's not just about making sure that people have health care during a pandemic, even though, of course, that's incredibly important. In terms of the legal questions, that's the right legal answer as well. So this may turn out to be tantamount to an appendectomy for the ACA rather than a severed limb or, you know, cutting them in half like the magician does there. So, but I'm left with the question, isn't this Congress's job to do this? It seems like an awful lot of power to be put in the hands of a very few amount of people. Yeah, such a good question. And yes, I mean, so Congress could have saved us in a lot of ways from this pain. And one thing for people to remember when they're following this case and thinking about, you know, the question of what is the Supreme Court going to do with respect to the Affordable Care Act, the Supreme Court is not going to say Congress has no power to legislate. And the Supreme Court is not going to say that Congress can never craft a health care law. This is not a constitutional decision so much as the question is whether or not this particular statute passes legal muster. And so Congress absolutely can come back and they can try and fashion a different type of health care law. This is unlike a situation where you would say Congress has no power to act because under the First Amendment they can't. The question is just did they do it the right way in this case? If you said it's a tax and now the penalty is zero, can we really view it as a tax? And then if that is invalid, what happens to the rest of the law? I expect that we'll have a decision by probably the spring, and I expect it will go somewhere along the lines of these people do have standing. The individual mandate now that it is zero dollars for a penalty is no longer constitutional, but the rest of the Affordable Care Act stands. And then the ball is back in the court of President Biden and Congress and the Senate to try and see if they want to solve this ever vexing problem. Jessica, just say the phrase President Biden again, if you would, for me. President Biden. <laughs> then that was just for fun. Joe, we've waited a long time to say that. It still feels strange. But yes, I do think that there will be a President Biden. And I do think that he will have to tackle this really important issue. Again, tens of millions of Americans depend on this decision. And Congress owes it to all of us to do something about this. So stay tuned, everybody. 